0: If you, like us, are using these quarantine times to catch up on some podcast listening, then we have a great new show to recommend that we think you'll be into. It's called The Sidewalk Weekly. The hosts are Eric Jaffe and Vanessa Quirk, career journalists now working for an urban tech company called Sidewalk Labs. They break down the week's top stories, interview experts, and they do it all in about 25 minutes. You should subscribe to The Sidewalk Weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit SidewalkLabs.com slash podcast. This is The War on Cars. I'm Doug Gordon. So in early June, I was marching up Flatbush Avenue at a Black Lives Matter protest here in Brooklyn when I saw a swarm of people on bikes ride by. There were hundreds, if not thousands, of people on bikes all riding together, chanting, ringing their bells, and showing their support for the Black Lives Matter movement. Somewhat coincidentally, I had brought my bike to the march that day, not because I intended to ride it while protesting, but because I hoped to ride it home. You know, there had been this 8 p.m. curfew that was instituted by the mayor and the police department, and it had led to all sorts of trouble. So I figured, you know, wherever I wind up, I just wanna be able to ride home as quickly as I can. So when I saw this ride go by, I just joined in, hopped on my bike, and before I knew it, I had ridden through a bunch of Brooklyn neighborhoods in no time at all, surrounded by people with signs clipped to their bikes, and all of these people on the stoops of their buildings and on the sidewalks raising their fists and cheering, even the drivers, they were all honking in support. That ride, I later found out, was organized by a group called Street Riders NYC. The Street Riders are seven black men who met at some of the recent protests. In the first week or so after the murder of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer, the Street Riders used bikes to help guide and protect marchers from the police. Rather quickly, this small group spun off to organize weekly protest rides, each one bigger than the last. One of the leaders of the Street Riders is Orlando Hamilton. Orlando is 28 years old. He's a professional chef who's worked all over the country. He moved to Brooklyn from L.A. about a year and a half ago, and as he told me, he's a bit new to political organizing.
1: My name is Orlando. I'm with the Street Riders NYC team. We are really proud of what we've been putting on, but we will be nothing without y'all, so thank you all. And as soon as I find out, why they asked me to talk on this mic, I will let you guys know. Thank you, thank
0: you, thank you. Orlando and the street riders have quickly become a major force in the Black Lives Matter movement here in New York. A recent ride that began in Times Square was one of the biggest protests of the past month, with an estimated 10,000 people on bikes in attendance. recently sat down with Orlando outside his Brooklyn apartment for a socially distant interview. I don't want to say much more other than that Orlando is a fantastic guy with a lot of special insights into this moment in history and the role bikes can play in the movement for black lives. Who are the
1: street riders? And how did you get started? All right. Uh, basically, the street riders are seven different individuals. Uh, we all try to treat it more like members than a hierarchy. Uh, we all got started basically from just going to protest every single day and seeing each other out there. Uh, we, Most of us started off walking like everybody else, just trying to scan the environment and see what these protests are like, because a lot of us are protesting for the first time. And we kind of just created a bond. We found a need for protection and a way to get away when the police are attacking us. Uh, The curfew really encouraged us to use our bikes. So from there, we pretty much just, we just tried to organize something that made sense, rather than doing what everybody else is doing. But you guys didn't know each other. You weren't friends before the protest started. No, we turned into friends throughout the protest. But even once we did our first ride, we weren't necessarily street riders. Uh, that name came along uh, after the first ride. Our Instagram, everything just started getting shaped from, uh, from that first ride. And it was not intentional. That's why I always like to make a point to say, like, This is all organic. This was not a plan. I'm not a plant. (laughs) I'm just a regular dude that has a voice that people want to listen to. And my team is so solid that it only made sense to bring everybody together. So political organizing. All new. All new to you. Yeah. And how are you finding it? Powerful. Uh, For a long time, I never really was proud of what I was doing. Uh, A lot of people outside would be more proud of me being a chef than I was. And I feel like that's why I stuck to it so much. But with this, the joy I get from knowing that we actually might create some change from something that happened so organically is something that I can actually be proud of. So it's special. I
0: wanna talk about the spirit of these rides and what you've noticed and you've seen. Because I, as a white person, you know, obviously I show up and I experience it very differently than you as a black man, as the organizer. Yeah. Um, you guys have made a very strong point. I think it was at one of those rides from Grand Army Plaza where you stood up and you said, Hey look, this is not a party. Yeah. It's a protest. Yeah. And I think you said specifically, we're here to get shit done. Yeah. <laughs> um so I wanna talk about that reaction. That people have had. You know, I think some people do show up and think, oh, how cool is it? I get to ride on the Williamsburg Bridge or I get to ride on Eastern Parkway. Yeah. But that's not really what it's about. What do bikes bring to the Black Lives Matter protest movement?
1: Uh one thing I noticed when I first started going to marchers was the whole concept of white allies and our allies and what we expect them to do. And honestly, I'm not white, I'm black, I'm Puerto Rican, but it felt like they were being called as a sacrifice, and it wasn't really an option, it was more like, if you're here, you have to go to the front, you have to deal with the police, and that turned me off, like, if you expect somebody to be with you, you gotta be with them, so with our rides, first things first is to let everybody know that we're all together, we are all here supporting each other we all are different as far as how much wind we have how loud we want to be etc etc so I can't tell anybody how to protest but I can keep you on message Uh, like you said we try to encourage people to not just come out and ride with us because if you want to go on a ride with us just DM me or call me. We can go on a ride any day, but if you come out to the protest, it's really important that we all stay on message. If you ride bikes, you know how hard it is to sing your favorite song while riding a bike. That's three minutes. We're riding for three hours. So yeah, we do want everybody to chant from the start till finish, but at the same time, we got to be realistic. Like some people are older. Some people are children. Like not everybody has as much energy or as much as much to say. They don't all have as much to say. Some people just feel like showing up is yeah. is 90% of what they're there for. Exactly. Just being another body out there. And that means a lot to us. If you just want to say some random things, you can post that on your Instagram or your Twitter. But to actually come out and ride in a hot, sunny, summer day, like, that already, you get respect from me. And then if you try to do the chance the entire time you're going above and beyond i can't do anything but just thank you for that so you mentioned the different types of people who are there kids old people yeah a
0: big cross-section of new yorkers i've also noticed you guys have made a really strong point of announcing at the at the start that you want to keep a kind of moderate pace yeah. keep everybody together you guys the street riders where blue t-shirts that say Black Lives Matter on them. And you've made a point of saying, nobody should get out ahead of us. We don't want the ride to be separated. Yeah. How
1: important is it for you guys to really keep it at a slow pace, keep everybody together? That's huge. But at the same time, we understand that it's 10,000 people. Uh, our Times Square ride, we were told that it stretched 30 to 40 blocks in Manhattan. The first block is going to look a lot different than the last block. We're all different.
0: I want to talk about that Times Square ride. I was there. It started at 4.30 on a Saturday, and we were standing around for, I don't know, 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Yeah. And what was happening at the front? Was there a standoff with the cops? I mean, I think this gets into a little bit of the the just logistics of pulling this off. Are you negotiating with the cops? Are you saying, hey, this is the route we want to take? They're saying, no, you can't go that way. What's happening up there?
1: Not at all. One thing that we stand on is we cannot call to defund the police or abolish the police. And then anytime you need something, call on the police. It's just counterproductive. Uh, We actually went out of our way to reach out to the fire department, a group that everybody can relate to, everybody sees as an authority figure. There's never been a song called Fuck the Fire Department. So (laughs) they pretty much have like a positive impact on the community but they turned us down understandably because they have to work side by side with the police uh so yeah we don't we go out of our way to try to exhaust any other avenue outside of using the police the reason why we were stopped in the front was just because we wanted to make sure everybody could get there that's it uh it caused a little disruption in the back there i found out later that there was whispers that oh, we think we're getting kettled in, that's why we're stopped, et cetera. None of that. We had a straight path. It was just every 10 minutes that passed by, there'd be thousands and thousands more people showing up. So we just wanted to give everybody a chance to get there. And that seems to be a constant theme with what you're talking about. You just want to give everybody who wants to participate. A chance. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, I could ride my bike all day with a sign on my back screaming my heart out it wouldn't make much of a difference. If I can wait for 15,000 people to do the same thing with me, that makes a little bit of a difference.
0: What does that feel like? You guys went from nothing to 5,000 riders yep.
1: to over 10,000 riders, yep.
0: and who knows where it'll go next? Yeah. How do you guys feel about that?
1: I don't know how to feel about it yet. i am be honest, like the first couple of times that we were gathering people, it was a struggle just to get 10 or 15 people in the front and take care of the people that were marching. This is all new, so it's still registering. I don't, like, maybe I'll have more of a feeling about it looking back, but right now, every time I look out, it just kind of makes me tear up. It's it's, it's something I can't really comprehend yet. So I want to talk about bikes
0: as a, a tool of protest. What do you think the benefit is then of using bicycles?
1: Um, Basically with the bike, one prime example of just how it's a good tool is when New York City went on curfew. Uh, You might end up at a protest in Washington Square Park and you live in Brooklyn and you look up and it's already past curfew and that created a lot of problems. They stopped the trains, they stopped Uber, they stopped Lyft, they stopped the city bikes. And before you knew it, you were stranded and potentially going to be arrested or given a ticket for being out after curfew. So that was one thing that, like, really made us stick to the bikes. Uh, As far as a tool goes, it's a good barrier between the people that are walking and dangerous motorists, police that want to get aggressive with anybody that they can get close to. You'll notice we don't have caravans of police like riding with us. They can't keep up. They don't even know what to do about it. If you watch the police scanners, they're confused. They're frustrated. We're moving too fast. Our message is getting to multiple boroughs in one day. And I feel like that's, that might be the most powerful part of riding the bike is just how, how far we span. In such a short amount of time. In your experience, what's the
0: reaction been from drivers? Because you're clogging intersections, you're backing up traffic in every direction. Um, yep. I mean, I've had my experience on these rides being that most of the drivers have their fists out the window, the bus yeah. drivers are honking in support. What's your experience been?
1: My experience has been loaded. Like you said, most people do support, they'll throw the fist out the window, they'll honk their horns. but. There's been a lot of incidents where drivers are pissed. They have to get home. They're hungry. They have to pick up their kids from daycare, whatever. And now they're in traffic for 45 minutes because of our bike protests. One thing that we did and we do is try to give the motorists an update on, look, we're coming. So you guys better turn now. You better go now. Like, We will help you out, we'll direct you down the right way because once we're here, you're stuck. And a lot of them do get it. And a lot of them do understand. It's disheartening when the people that we're fighting for are more upset than some of our allies, which I could say every single ride has been a topic. But for the most part, most people just are happy to see something so massive and so supportive. So these
0: rides, you know, we're not just protesting police violence, but we're protesting an entire system of white supremacy and of inequality and inequities. When you do these rides, because of the distance you can span on a bicycle, you're able to really see in very sharp focus the differences in bike infrastructure and road conditions from one neighborhood to the next block by
1: block even well prior to uh the protests i mostly biked around brooklyn and from neighborhood to neighborhood depending on uh the class level it's it's hard to miss it in some parts of east new york flatbush crown heights there's no bike lanes at all Which means you're riding shoulder to shoulder with these cars that are in a rush. And it's dangerous. And then on top of that, you have potholes and the streets are messed up. And then you make your way over to Williamsburg or Dumbo. And it's beautiful. The streets are smooth. There's multiple bike lanes. It's accessible for everybody. And granted, we're for that. We want that. We just want that spread out everywhere. We don't want it to be redlined like everything else. There's bikers in East New York, too. There's bikers in Bushwick as well. When we plan our rides, we go out of our way to make sure that you see both. Because if I can take 10,000 people down Eastern Parkway and the entire time is bumpy, and then as soon as we get to Dumbo, it's smooth, they get it. And that's exactly where we live every single day.
0: Yeah, it was hard not to notice on the second to last ride I the did. I took you down Eastern Parkway into Ridgewood, Queens. Yep. And you know, there's maybe it was awful, a, right? There's maybe a couple of bike lanes that you see there, but pretty much the roads are in terrible shape.
1: Terrible. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, we go out of our ways so that everybody can see it. We don't expect you to just ride down to a neighborhood that you don't know. I don't do that often either. But if we're all together and we all want to see what's actually going on, then we'll take you down and show you exactly what we're talking about and not just complain about it and not give you examples. Biking while black is a
0: real thing. Yeah. I've been pulled over once by the police in twenty two years of (laughs) riding in the city. Yeah. And it was for kinda bullshit reason and I yelled at the cop. Yeah. And, you know, I had the privilege and ability to do that without fear for my life. But that's obviously not the experience in a lot of neighborhoods for a lot of people. What's your experience been just
1: as a regular cyclist? If I'm riding at night and it's cold and I'm wearing a hoodie, I do have to think twice before I put the hood on. I have been tailed by the police before. I have been stopped and asked like, what's in my backpack? It's weird because you get used to it and you don't even think about it. It's just like, dude, I have nothing in my backpack. I'm going home, I just got off work. And then they give you a look they look you up and down. They see you're in your chef pants. And they're like, all right, you get a pass today. But not everybody is getting a pass that day. And it's, it's not just for bikes. It's with driving. It's with going to Starbucks and doing your work. It's with being on a construction site and looking like you're up to something and you're not actually up to anything. It's, it's everywhere. It's going for a run is going for a run. It's all of that. So we don't want to make this all about bikes. That's just one thing that we love to do. You know, that's one thing that everybody of all ages generally enjoys doing. So the disparity, the disparities towards bikers is just exactly the same as any other situation being black or a minority. What's next for you guys? How does this movement specifically
0: for you and the street riders keep going? You know, the protests show no sign of slowing down. No, there's, you know, I think all that's really happened in New York is the repeal of 50A, the, the Disclosure Act for police records. Yep. Um, so that's, you know, one of many items on a list of things that people are asking for. How do you see the
1: role of street riders going forward in the movement here in New York and, you know, elsewhere? Just yesterday i received a video of the man that killed george floyd oh right walking Shopping, through right? a grocery store yeah. living his regular life enjoying his day not punished was able to bail out and this man is buried six feet under the ground he will never be able to see his kids and family again that's a problem that's a big problem we don't plan on slowing down at all if you they're not gonna slow down, we're not gonna slow down. As far as the future for us, we want to eventually become a nonprofit organization just to kinda keep everything solid and organized, especially since our following is so big. We want to expand. We've been getting a lot of messages from other states saying they want us to come down there and do it with them as well. But we're just taking it day by day. So for the future, we would like an annual solidarity ride around the nation, around the world. But until we can make it perfect, we can't expand to that. We don't want it to be half-assed just because we're in a different state and that's not where we're from. We want it to be just as powerful everywhere. And there's something about it being so organically grown here in New York Yeah, where it's just like a spark ignited. Yeah, Thousands of people showed up. I didn't he- even know that many people had bikes. <laughs> uh, in New York cycling has always been kind of a white male type of experience you'll see them with their outfits and their nice street bikes and they pretty much control that area of biking so to see so many different people including them come out and support what we're doing it's shocking it's shocking to see people on tandem bikes or with baskets and their pets in the front and jeans in dresses, it kind of takes that stigma away. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud to say that now cycling is more about the bike and not the individual.
0: What you're hitting on is so important because the bike, like you were saying earlier, is just this tool that you're using. Protests so that you can get farther into neighborhoods so you can cover more ground be yeah. out for longer yeah. not
1: be as tired as you might be marching but at the same time it's this unifier in yeah. many ways Yeah, I mean to see, so, to see so many people that would never interact with each other on the bike lanes or in those neighborhoods or at Prospect Park riding around to actually be interacting and learning about each other in the middle of the street with us that's everything And that's
0: one thing you really do emphasize. I've talked about some of the announcements that you make at the beginning of the rides, but I I really think
1: one of the things I've taken away
0: is just how much you encourage people to talk to each other.
1: It builds uh, a sense of comfort. I've been to a lot of protests where you're standing out there with thousands of people and you haven't talked to one person. And these people come from all walks of lives. You're missing great opportunities to talk to somebody that's amazing, that's interesting, that has a story, that has experiences that maybe you could learn from. So, yeah, if you come to our rides and somebody in front hears what we're saying, but you don't, talk to that person. I can't get to 15,000, 10,000 people, but you guys can get to each other, and that's important for us. It's a perfect note to end on. Orlando, thanks so much
0: for joining The War on Cars. Dude, Doug, you're amazing. Thank you. This was awesome. Thank you. Thank you frill. That's it for this episode of The War on Cars. Many thanks to Orlando Hamilton for speaking with me. If you want to learn more about the Street Riders, go to streetridersnyc.com or follow them on Instagram and Twitter where their handles on both platforms are at streetridersnyc. Thanks to our top Patreon sponsors, the Law Office of Akaro & White in New York, Charlie G. of Human-Powered Law in Portland, Oregon, and Drew Rains. Thanks also to our sponsor, Sidewalk Labs. Please go check out their new podcast, Sidewalk Weekly, a lighthearted chat show providing your weekly dose of urban tech news. If you want to help produce the podcast, go to thewaroncars.org and become a Patreon supporter as thanks we will send you stickers and t-shirts and give you access to exclusive content. You can also email us at thewaroncars@gmail.com at gmail.com with your comments, your questions, and your suggestions. We love hearing from listeners. This episode was produced, recorded, and edited by me. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Goodyear. Our logo is by Danny Finkel of Crucial D Designs. On behalf of my co-hosts, Sarah Goodyear and Aaron Napperstek I'm Doug Gordon, and this is the War on Cars.